The scripture for today we can find in Luke, the 10th chapter, verses 25 through 26. And it reads Just then the lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength and with all of your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have given the right answer. Do this, and you will live. The word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Most gracious God, Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you for dwelling with us in this place. God, we thank you that this word is meant for this specific time, place, and season. Lord, as you speak to the hearts of us all, we pray that we mature, that we develop, that we change in the way that you call us to change. Lord, we thank you for all that you are doing in our lives. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, Amen. Hypnotized by the water. It's funny, a couple of years ago, actually more than a couple of years ago, I won this trip with my company. Based on sales achievement, uh, they, they provided an opportunity for me and my wife to go on an all-expense-paid trip to a tropical location for a week. Now, I, I'm a little different than most people. I, I, I might go to the beach, but I'm not trying to sit on the shore and watch the waves for, for hours and days. I'm not the one that, that wants to go and get an amazing tan. I think I might already have one of those. I'm not the one that is going to stay stationary and just look at the, the water and the sand and be okay. Unfortunately, I am the one that always is considering something else. I'm always thinking about my responsibilities at home. I'm always thinking about the service that I have yet to write. I'm always thinking about the sick that I need to pray for. I'm always thinking about those clients that I serve daily and how me being away prohibits me from doing those things. All of these things run through my mind while I'm supposed to be sitting and relaxing. However, on this trip, the president of my company comes to me and he says, Brian, I know that you're not the one to go deep sea fishing and do all this watery stuff, but this time you're coming with us. So I, I board this boat, almost forced to board the boat, and we go out for miles and miles and miles, and I'm looking around thinking, what am I going to do for all this time? My phone doesn't work. I don't have a computer. Well, what can I do? I can't talk to anybody. I, I, I'm kind of stuck in this situation, and I don't know how to interact with the opportunity to be happy. So I, I look at the, the water from the boat, and all of a sudden, I was literally hypnotized by the water. Watching it ripple and flow and splash in the boat, the sound that it made, the, the way the mist felt as it hit my face, I felt subject to the peace that was in that water. Out there, I was all in. I had no bills. I had no financial responsibility. I had no school, no homework, no sermons to write, no sick to visit out there. My life was literally low 
the longer I, I stay out there, the more I desire to stay out there, even if staying out there meant getting less done, missing things and missing meals, and even losing some things that I really enjoyed having. It is amazing that even before we got back to the shore, before I could even see the shore, I was already longing for my next trip to that water. This water distracted me from everything. Even when I returned to the States and everything returned to normal, I would close my eyes and return to that water. My thirst for the peace that I found there drove me there more often than I care to admit. However, my thirst was never satisfied. As my newly found solution was always temporary and it lacked the power necessary to completely eradicate my thirst. Instead, this water promoted, it even increased my very thirst. It was pacifying, but it was not satisfying. I think we all have been pacified by something over our years. We all have been hypnotized into believing that the quick temporary fix will quench an everlasting thirst. For some, it is achievement. For some, it is fishing. For some, it is boating. For some, it's thrill-seeking activities. For some, it may be working out or lifting weights. For some, it's running marathons and preparing for such. For some, it's boot camps. For some, it's hunting. For some, it's even driving fast and reckless. Hopefully, nobody in here drives fast and reckless. But no doubt, at the conclusion of our escape, at the conclusion of that pacifying event, you are still found wanting, lacking, and in need of another fix. I believe God gives us the everlasting and truly fulfilling and satisfying solution in today's scripture. It reads, And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, and with all of your soul, and with all of your strength, and with all of your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. Here a lawyer, and I think it's fair to note, in that time there was really no difference in civil law and in religious law. So if you were an expert attorney or an expert lawyer or an expert scribe, you knew the scriptures better than most because you had to be well-versed in the scripture. This scribe asks, what must I do to, to inherit the reward promised to the covenant people of God? What must I do to, to inherit the life in God's kingdom? What must I do to experience a present reality and a future taste of what God has for me? And Jesus says, what is written in the law? You see, he met the scribe's challenge with the challenge. You're asking me the question, but you're supposed to be the expert, so what does your expertise tell you? What, what have you read? How do you understand it? What do you know? Now, in, in this particular message in Luke, it's a little different than what we would read in Matthew and Mark. And in Matthew and Mark, the question is asked of Jesus, and he gives us the great commandment. But here, in Luke, the scribe asks the question, how do I inherit eternal life? And Jesus makes him answer. And his answer is the great commandment. Now, I like this because, as Pastor Elaine writes in her book, 
Practicing to become proficient at anything requires discipline. And it's obvious that this scribe, if this lawyer uh, was an expert, then this lawyer had spent countless hours researching and learning the scriptures. He had done all he could to learn it, and obviously he gets the question right because in verse 28, Jesus says, you have answered correctly. But he also obviously misses the fact that eternal life is not just in knowing the commandments, but in doing. So let's go back to his answer. In verse 27, he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, with all of your mind. In this, he speaks to four areas. He speaks to our heart, as the commentary writers will write, the innermost being of ourselves. He speaks to the soul or our lives, which gives us our individual identity. He speaks to our might, our energy, strength, resolve, and resources, and he speaks to our mind or our understanding and intellectual capacities. This is a reminder that we must remember to render our everything to God. The book that we're reading for the series says it this way, we must plant the flag of God's sovereignty over all of one's life. The scribe continues in saying that we should love our neighbors as ourselves. This reminds me of a Sunday school lesson I learned as a preteen in Houston, Texas. Their deacon Crawford taught me to have real joy, J-O-Y, you must love Jesus, you must love others, and you must love yourself. Get it? Jesus, J, others, O, Y. That's going to leave me hanging. Okay. Yourself. In this verse, I believe the first two, Jesus, or God, and others, and which is neighbor, are readily recognizable. However, many of us overlook that part that says, as yourself. This statement tells us that God expects you to love you as well. Different sermon for a different day. So Jesus goes on to say, in verse 28, you do this and you will live. Do this. Do this. This is an implication, once again, that action is required. We have heard over the past few weeks in this series that experts record that the more you give, the more you want to give, and the more satisfaction you get from giving. We know that benevolence begets benevolence, that grace begets grace, that love begets love. The scriptures even say that if you Give, it shall be given unto you, good measure, shaken together, running over with the same measure you need. It shall be measured unto you. You see, the Sunday school lesson I received all those years ago indicates that true joy comes from actively loving. You see, when one loves God, you will live out that love for others as well. This is the evidence that one has uh, been touched by the kingdom of God that is life and proof of our connection to our source, which should be God. This is where we find that our healing and wholeness is found in our faith in Christ and the love that pours out of it. But to live this way, we must connect to the source, which is God, and stay connected. We must stop allowing ourselves to be hypnotized by the temporary pacifying water of this world 
and instead allow ourselves to be engulfed in God's fulfilling and everlasting, satisfying living water. We must allow ourselves to be fueled by God's grace and be present in his presence. People of God, we were made to thirst. Scientists say that over 60% or right at 60% of our body is made of water, but 100% of our spirit is God's as he breathed into us. Therefore, we must refrain from being lulled to sleep by the hypnotizing water of this world and walk in the fullness found only in God. We all know that we are to crush the hate of this world with the love of God. We all know that we should speak against injustices of all kinds simply because it's right. No matter if it directly affects us or not, we know that we are to forgive one another. No matter the circumstance, we know that we are to help others despite barriers, whatever they may be. By the way, thank you for helping our neighbors across the street with that issue. We, we know all of these things, but like the squad, we are so proud of what we know, we forget that we are called to act. So this is my question for you today. Are you resting on what you think you know, or are you acting on what God is calling you to? Are you walking past the distractions of the water of our lives, distracted and hypnotized by the temporary fixes that it brings, or are we seeking after that living spring of living water that God has promised to us all, people of God? Are we being lulled to sleep by distraction, or are we walking in purpose? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.